Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the AJ Roberts Show. Today, we are super delighted to be joined once again by one of your favourites, one of the men of the moment out there that brings so much fantastic information to us across many, many spectrums, Mr. SG Anon. Welcome again, sir. Thank you for having me back. Me back, my friend. There we go. Goodness. Tongue tied. Good to be here. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. You're so used, uh, eloquent with your words and uh, how you describe, you know, what's going on in front of us in the uh, in the physical and the spiritual world. It's uh, it's amazing to have you back on again. There's always such great conversation. Uh, we only recently did a roundtable with Derek Johnson and uh, and Brad Wozni, which was very well received. And uh, people like listening to each of our sort of like inputs because we come from different angles. But what I love about your work is that you're so broad. Uh, and you articulate your message so well. And I think that's what's very comforting for people. So um, bringing you on to, to my show and to the audiences, you know, at, at this time I feel is imperative because there's so much going on uh, that's so confusing for so many people. They don't know whether they're coming or they're going and they don't know what's right, what's wrong, who's good, who's bad. Um, and there's so much to unpeel. So that's what I love about your your show and your, your audio drops and what so many other people appreciate as well. Um but uh, but for starting off the show, um, I thought it would be quite a good idea if you if you may sort of like just to give the audience a bit about your actual background and how you come to sort of like start your channels initially and like to where you are today because people always look into your knowledge and your research and everything for the inspiration of what's happened for now, but not necessarily always know like where this all came from. Um, so if, if that's okay, SG, um, just to give people a bit of a background about how you come to fruition with doing what you're doing now because i mean your analytical mind is like second to none well i'm honored and you know i'm not sure as we've ever truly broached my background you know on the few appearances that we've done together and um you know i make no secret of the fact that i've been awake for a little while now uh, this is going on year 13 coming into year 14 and uh -huh. um what initially woke me up as many people i think have heard at different points along the way is that i discovered in a college research design project actually that the coca-cola and pepsico uh, you know the, the soda pop giants of the world were utilizing a food additive called hek 293 stands for human embryonic kidney 293 293 being the 293rd sequence derivative um, for that uh, fetal cell lining and so this was you know, powerfully awakening for me because back in those days, I, you know, I understood sort of you know, blatantly that anything derived from an embryonic situation had to have come from a fetus, right, that was not, that didn't make it to term. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was a pretty easy leap mentally to forced cannibalism, although back in those days, it wasn't an easy leap for most people. As a matter of fact, I was nearly expelled from the institution I was going to, which is a private Catholic institution, um, shocking no one. Um, for postulating those sorts of um, what they call dangerous intellectual um, irresponsibility. And so, excuse me. So throughout the decade, um, you know, 2010, you know, up to 2017, essentially, I lived my life in, in sort of a, I wouldn't say a secluded way, but in just a standard we the people way, I went out and, and did the family thing and got a job. And, um, but in 2000, and I think it was 12, I had made the attempt to join the U.S. Armed Forces as a result of that awakening experience, and I wasn't able to complete it. Um, I had an injury come up that prevented me from that process, and so I left that journey. But I made a couple of really cool friends along the way. Um, you know, I call them mentors or people that I you know learned a lot from. One of whom was just a few years my senior, and we, he and I got very close initially, and then you know drifted into the long distance friendship thing through the center of the decade and reconnected more in a, in a more active fashion 
uh, with the Trump presidency, actually. No one thought that was actually going to come through. And, and I was one that was, you know, by that time in 2016 was very, you know, very well compelled that the Obama White House was going to assassinate the man before they actually allowed him to become president. So mm. I was astounded that he actually made it through that. Um, and so, you know, along in this period of time, you know, I always kept in touch with this gentleman that I referred to as my mentor. And, you know, I got a lot of um, what's called extracurricular exposure to the concepts of code breaking, cryptography. Um, I joined a couple of hacker groups online with private VPN service and um, learned a, a lot about, you know, how websites talk to one another, how the digital space is really just, um, you know, and a large medium where all of our thoughts are sort of in a, in a capsulized form. And you can actually go and find, um, you know, relative to what you're looking for, just about anything, right? Because the internet is an aggregation database, primarily of the consciousness of humanity. That's one of the reasons that these sickos are seeking to use it in the transhumanistic model now, but that's mm -hmm. another discussion for another time. So coming into the Trump presidency, we had the Q drops, you know, pop up and I was a little bit late to that party. Um, early 2018 was when I finally realized that this was a very significant, you know, real occurrence that was going on and that the, that the information being presented on these on this online forum, right, this board um, that Q was posting to was very much the similar type of information that I had been sort of digging up about CPS, about the organized cannibalism, federal regulation matrix here in the U.S., about child trafficking, because, of course, one, if you research one, you inevitably end up researching the mm -hmm. other because there has to be a feeder arm for you know the individuals for, out of the abortion industry. Um, but, you know, through that period of time, I realized um, that what was coming out with these cue boards was mil was military level intelligence aggregated from somewhere, um, extraordinarily high levels of clearance, photographs from inside the White House, photographs from onboard Air Force One, photographs of documents before President Trump had signed them. In other words, the raw form, which is never released. Um, and so you've, you've got this very compelling situation coming out in these in this what became this. Uh, sort of awakening machine, these cue drops that showed the world that all was not what it seemed. And of course, individuals like my mentor and I, very, very excited to see these types of things being come out. Um, individuals, you know, they call them anons on the boards, a lot of people using server blocker services, so you couldn't backtrace them. But going around and digging up all the same sort of sadistic things that I'd been working on for years, but taking it to a whole new level. Um, and so what what happened is this spawned off, I think, a movement inside the the we the people patriotic mind, regardless of political ideology, um, which I kind of cast myself into. And I'm, I'm very much, a, you know, for humanity. Right. I'm the opposite of an extinctionist um, it, it for it formed a, a coalescence, I think, in that consciousness that has compelled or, or sort of kicked into overdrive this process of the Great Awakening. Um, but we also have the aspect of Q being a military, a kinetic military operation, which we can come to again here in just a minute. But that was my belief system operating through 2018, 19, and into 2020. And then when we saw the launch of COVID-19, you know, into the world, uh, this, the slew of public health orders that came out from the U.S. government, the slew of executive orders issued by President Trump, some of which seemed to be in competition with one another. It was clear to me that we had a destabilized situation where this massive evil Illuminati matrix that had been so um, overarching and influential in society through their control of banking, government, finance, law, all of these sorts of things. There was a destabilization and a back and forth occurring. And we had a the groundwork essentially laid for a preservation of government operation in early 2020, um, which went into overdrive between November of 2020 and January of 2021. 
we watched the January of 2021 event move us into a next phase, right? And so mm -hmm. this is where I've come from along in this journey. I have an irregular espionage kind of warfare lens. Um, and, you know, code breaking is sort of that, you know, what's the message within the message? What are ciphers? How are they hidden? Um, what is an electronic cipher? How, how can you read computer code in uh, you know, you don't even have to be an expert, but how can you read the overarching themes? You know, this code does that, that court, that sort of a code does that. Um, and you put these sorts of things together to inform what is a, an irregular time here in the world. You know, you've got a, a tremendous amount of the United States population, conspiracy theorists or not, that truly do believe that President Trump did not lose that election. Mm -hmm. And so what you've got here is a period where there is an unusual, extraordinary, original moment here in history. And we cannot use a conventional lens to interpret the events that are occurring before us because this is a non-conventional situation. So that's a little bit about me. That's a little bit about where I come from. Um, you know, I'm very much just a we the people man, but I try my absolute darndest to aggregate as many of the broad spectrum patterns out there in the world as I can, and then try to digest those down into a, um, you know, a, an absorbable version, if you will. Yes, absolutely. And so, and I think that's why people have followed you profoundly for quite some time now since you came onto the scene you know namely with your your rumble channel and stuff like that which is you know grows by the day um and only gets like massive positive feedback and uh is shared across all platforms and, and rightly so because of the level of the information that you bring and how you break it down for everybody uh and very similar to myself like i use um sort of facebook and instagram and stuff like that i, I use my stories i've been breaking things down for people so that it's easy to assimilate um, same as my talks around the country is all about breaking things down for people, everything down from like what you're seeing very much from a linear point of view, all the way down to, you know, elevated levels of consciousness. And what you see as you break through those, you know, those, uh, those barriers, which is what we're seeing now on a mass scale. And I've, I've not seen anything like what we're seeing now in terms of the level of what people are awakening to what's going on in the world. But I think the, the, the C19 era uh, has been very much a part of that to awaken humanity to not only like the dark side of of the world and the nefarious things, but just how um, how much potential people actually have as a human being, which is like a big part of all this. And they're understanding that, you know, they, we, uh, many countries, similar blueprint, are just keeping people on these hamster wheels so that they never discover, uh, you know, what they're truly capable of. And I'm really seeing that now. And a lot of people, a lot more people asking a lot more questions um, and I think the the current situation that we're seeing in Israel, straight off the back of like, you know, what a year or so of uh, propaganda to do with Ukraine, et cetera, is really, again, further opening people's eyes to that. And people are actually seeing the real evil within the Western society and the control that it's had and the war machine for what it really is. Um, and would you agree that obviously going back to what you said about Q drops, you know, one of the f most famous ones is Israel last. And we're literally seeing that being played out right now. And it can't be denied. Um, you know, it's straight off the back of Taiwan, Ukraine, all part of that little circuitry of stronghold that the cabal, the Illuminati, whatever we want to refer to them as, um, has had up until this point, heavily infiltrated um, by Zionists and the Rothschilds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, would you would, would you say from what you're seeing now in your analysis that we are seeing this absolutely being played out and Israel is last? 
You know, Q tells us that Israel is last, but Q also tells us that disinformation is necessary in times of war. So I think it's cautious. Mm. I think we should take a cautious mind to what events still have yet to play out. But that being said, it's unequivocal. Um, I think it's it's a it's a very clear situation that's happening right now where we have a highlighting in the Middle East of the Mossad's intelligence community's deep state infiltration, right? And their leverage and control over the Likud government, which is no different than the CIA's leverage and control of the US DOJ, the FBI. And because of their capability as the intelligence community, they're also able to manipulate elected representatives, blackmail judges, things of this nature. The exact same pattern played out by primarily the same overarching entities um, what you would call co-agencies across international boundaries, is the same playbook. And so we have evidence to show, of course, going back a number of decades, that Hamas, this militant group, as well as a number of other terrorist groups in the, the, in the Middle East that have risen to prominence in nationalities and countrysides in recent decades, are primarily creations of this same intelligence community. Um, so to highlight out Israel for last, right, why is Israel last? Well, Israel, I think, is last for a couple of different reasons. One, it's going to be the lead in, I think, to a, an expanded conflict as we go forward. That conflict, I think, will eventually involve the main world powers. And then we're going to arrive, I think, at a stopgap where everyone goes, wait a minute, what the hell are we doing here? Um, this is this is, you know, early 20th century ridiculousness that no one in the world across any nation state boundary has any uh desire to repeat right even going down to the people of palestine there's a lot of these issues that go back a number of decades excuse excuse me but we the people in most arenas including the israeli jewish people um, would prefer that the governments who are manipulating the situation for personal gain and political power and sort of global transformation uh, just get out of the way and leave and leave us alone to handle it right um, you had a massive protest turnout in Tel Aviv just a couple of weeks after this operation began in Gaza, calling for the resignation of Netanyahu, because Netanyahu is sort of uh, speed walking the Israeli state into an existential crisis. So as we look at what's happening around the world, we have to acknowledge that we were told a lot of this ahead of time. We were told that when Q, you know, Q said drain the swamp, it was not about Washington, D.C. Q said a number of times that this is not another four-year election, that this is not R versus D. This is good versus evil, and this is for humanity's longevity into the future. Um, we're in extinction-level times right now. The depopulation plan has been more than 100 years in the making. Mm. Um, these, these individuals have um, been able to commit levels of terrorism, I think, in the shadows against we the people um, that most of us still are not fully aware of. I think even the hardened Danans are not truly aware of the types of weaponized pathogens and the types of cross-species mutants um, that these individuals have put together over the decades, which could do ex extraordinary damage to the to the entire population of the world. And that doesn't even begin to include the genetic manipulation and the power of AI. Um, so when we look at what's going on here, this is a struggle for humanity. The intelligence community has a number of locuses of control that are extremely powerful and very old and very well entrenched. And the dark occult religion that controls the individuals who control the intelligence community has a very long history to the eastern Mediterranean, the Sinai area. Uh, the Fertile Crescent, the Middle East, right, the Cradle of Civilization, it goes all of the way back several thousand years. Uh, just underneath Gaza, there's 475 miles worth of tunnel systems, mm -hmm. and those connect to chasm systems underneath the eastern Mediterranean that are 15 to 18 miles down. So you're talking about a massive cleanup operation that has to occur just in this area of the world. 
I personally believe that a lot of that cleanup has been occurring in the shadows for a number of years. But now we're at the point where all of the surface cleanup needs to happen. The exposure, of course, obviously, is it needs to happen as well. But we need to also see the destruction of capable assets of this of this intelligence um, deep state mafia that have been stored in places like Kurdistan, uh, hidden in the West Bank, hidden off the coast of Israel in, in the Mediterranean Sea. Um, there's a tremendous amount of terrorism that is sort of stored and, and equipped in that desert area below, uh, I think it's the Negev desert down below the Gaza Strip. Um, and this doesn't even begin to include, right, all of the oil and gas situation that has been set up in that area of the world mm -hmm. as well that eventually needs to be turned off or paused because it is the oil and the gas that is the lifeblood for the military war machine, right? It is the ability of the petrodollar to just endlessly self-sustain that creates such a, a problem here. And so this event, I think, in the Middle East is also setting us up for that. And we've been, you know, to highlight and sort of close off this little tangent that I've gone off on, we've been told a lot of this had to happen. Uh, President Trump's presidency here in the United States for those four years was not only um, a we the people presidency, but it was also a fortification period of the nation, a, a slew of executive orders issued about election fraud and cybersecurity and securing the U.S. dollar, critical national infrastructure continuity measures. There's an ex there's an executive order called Federal Mission Resilience, which literally states to ensure continuity of operations for the U.S. federal government. Um, so this was a fortification period to prepare the nation for what was going to be a difficult time. Um, a lot of the deep state locus of control at the surface level, a lot of the mules to include the military industrial machine and all of their peons uh, primarily come from North America. And the financial controls, of course, tie back to Washington, D.C., Wall Street, and then over into Western Europe. Mm. And we're witnessing the, I think, existential strain and what will soon be, I think, the cracking open of that system right now. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that the uh, the fact, I think, are we looking at roughly around 11 different countries warships are currently in the Mediterranean, like within range of Israel. Do you think that's very much connected into uh, maybe an observation or do you, do you see that as a potential, some kinetic action happening there uh, amongst those different countries? You know, unknown about the, the shooting back and forth at one another. I really, and I don't feel like I'm a qualified mil enough military strategist to say. I think a concern is always there because the deep state infiltration is into the military community as well. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the military, if your brass officers are telling you to do something, you don't get to question why and you don't get to debate about the ethics of it or you know whether or not you should do it. It's a carry it out immediately or you're removed. Um, so looking at how that infiltration could have come into these nation states that are now in the Eastern Med, I think that's a concern. I think more of a, a more of a possibility here is you've got a number of these nations in the eastern Mediterranean who are there to ensure that biological terrorism assets and fuel and gas assets are not um, either wantonly destroyed and released out into the world or trafficked out of that area. There's more than 11 um, biological labs that research all sorts of pathogens in Jerusalem alone. Um, the state of Israel is believed to have more than 40 overall laboratories, and you have to consider the size. The area of this um, of this nation is not very large proportionally to even you know countries in Europe, right? Um, so that's a that's a high proportion. They have one of the highest proportions actually per or excuse me per square kilometer uh, of biological um, research activity. One of the highest proportions anywhere in the world. 
um, a number of those are partnered with the U.S. Biological Threat Reduction Programs out of the U.S. Uh, out of the U.S. Army's Chemical and Biological Warfare Division, which is the same division that Russia has been shouting from the rooftops for over a year now, has been building pathogens to take over the entire world. Uh, going so far as to say that Obama, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and that entire eight years, 2008 to 2016, was the penultimate setup for exactly that. Um, so, you know, I think what we've got going on here is a number of nations are really paying attention to what's happening in the Middle East because this is the make or break moment. Will we be able to crack the back of the intelligence community and prevent them from doing these types of things into the future? Will we be able to eliminate the terrorism assets and to include equipment, missiles, weapon systems, all of this sort of things, not just personnel, but also the hidden weapon systems? Can we drag all of them out or force them all out? Um, in a way that we can, you know, have blanket authority to target all of them and do true battlefield reconnaissance. I think these are concerns that are being asked by a number of nations right now. And it's looking, I think, in, in, in increasingly likely fashion that we're going to end up in a regional conflict, um, Arab states versus, you know, the Israeli state. And I think, you know, a Gog and Magog type of situation could occur because Russia, Iran, and Turkey are very close with one another. Uh, Russia and Turkey share the Black Sea. They've been economically cooperative and and, and um, diplomatically very friendly for a while. Uh, and then you had you know, Sergei Lavrov in Tehran just recently discussing the security situation with the Middle East. And people forget that the Iranian military is actually very advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to think that U.S. sanctions have done a lot for that as far as preventing the advancement of certain technologies. But that's not really true. Uh, despite the fact that they haven't necessarily created a fully capable nuclear weapon at this point, they have very advanced missile systems and they have a lot of them, as well as a successful space program. Hmm. So acknowledging that this is a complex enemy, right? This is Persia of old uh, coming into this uh, into this battle against what hmm. I think to be the Kazarian um, uh, mafia, if you want to call it that, or the dark occultist locus of control around the world excuse me, which again, maintains that hegemony through their uh, incestuous infiltration into the intelligence complex that exists all around the earth. Uh, this is an incredible time. The situation in the Mediterranean, ha- we, ha- we haven't seen that since 1945. Israel has not been in a moment like this where its existence could very well be threatened since 1948. And that doesn't even begin to include the contracts and the different documentation exchanged uh, through the British government and the Uh, nation state of Israel when it was founded in 1948 that show that this was primarily an exercise in a leased land agreement. Um, And we haven't we haven't talked about how that land was acquired or the different wars that have come, you know, to to bear in in the decades that followed that. This is just a very, very big issue for people out there. And they have to keep in mind that there's so much more at play here. Mm, Absolutely. And when, when you actually look at Israel right now and uh, what's happening and what's actually happening to the Palestinian people, how uh, the very pro-Israeli governments uh, of the United States, of the UK, the, the same players are all looking in on this and uh, giving their opinions and almost uh, showing how pro-wiping out Palestine that these uh, these people are and the nation itself. Again, that's really starting to open people's eyes. But what is also being on show here for me is just how connected, uh, almost like a template, Israel is to Ukraine, is to Taiwan, which is very much the Khazarian Mafia um, and deep state strongholds where they need to launder their money through, they need to traffic through, they need to carry out multiple crimes through. And you mentioned it earlier, the key thing that links a lot of these places is the extensive networks of biolabs and all of them that create these pathogens. 
um, just like in Ukraine. And funnily enough, in Ukraine, there's a number of headquarters for a lot of the big pharma companies that a lot of these uh, deep state members are profiteering from and have done through the C-19 um, operation that went on you know, from 2020 till now. And I think uh, a lot of people are now seeing that for what it is. I think people are seeing Ukraine isn't what we were led to believe at first, very much a proxy war uh, to keep the petrodollar going, you know, because they very much need this war machine to, to run, don't they, to, to keep the, the dollar going because it's absolutely backed by nothing. And now we're seeing, well, as of last night, uh, the signals that are coming up on the US debt clock basically saying that um, things have been unplugged. Um, off the back of what I was just explaining there, do you see um, that as a legitimate signal to suggest that the, the fiat currency is being unplugged and we're moving into new times and it is all connected to the conflict in the Middle East and um, what we've seen up until up until this point? Oh, without question. And I'll tell you why. Um, the U.S. debt clock is a project that has been operating in the background for a very long time, and no one has been clear in all of that time who actually runs and programs the algorithms that get in, that get computed into the public-facing website. We can track the domain, we can track the server, we can see owners, you know, that are declared online in public records. But who does the programming, the coding, who works for these companies? Nobody knows. Um, so I think it's extremely possible that you have a white hat operation happening in the background, tracing and tracking what's occurring with this serpentine dollar system, the Federal Reserve system around the world. I and mean, I think they have for a very long time. The debt clock in recent weeks has been a blatantly obvious communications exchange between some sort of powers that be in the financial world and we, the people who are out here digging, doing the research, digging on the open source web. We have obvious references to Alice in Wonderland. We have obvious references to the Wizard of Oz. Um, Q uses the term wizards and warlocks a number of times. Um, you know, we have in, in a recent um, exchange that happened on the debt clock, we saw the American, you know, the, the United States of America as it currently is emblazoned with an American Revolution era flag. And that flag is and that flag and that nation are positionally, you know, vertically over top of the Knights Templar uh, golden coin, which is the system of banking and loans that exists here in the world today. And over the America, over you know, the nation of America with that American Revolution flag is a, a quote from the Bible that says, who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high. So understanding that there is a communications exchange, we have to then look at what's happening in the geopolitical world. And is it not the obvious disconnection of the petrodollar? Mm -hmm. This was always going to come back to the Middle East. The Federal Reserve System and the petrodollar's ability to sustain its lifeblood in perpetuity and to do untold harm and cause untold suffering to hundreds of millions, potentially billions of people in the last 20, you know, or excuse me, in the, in the last hundred years, the 20th century, right, post-1913, there will never be anything like this ever again in the world. And this comes back to the Middle East because its ability to sustain itself is based out of the manipulation of the resources that flow from this area of the world because that's how sick these people are. This area of the world comes back to their ancient roots, right? They believe this to be one of their ancient homelands along the eastern Mediterranean. We can go all of the way back to Joshua's days when Joshua was ordered to destroy all of Jericho, right, and wipe out all of the Canaanites. Mm. It wasn't just... God, um, you know, I think overreacting, which a lot of people, you know, make that uh, supposition nowadays, I think it was very much an issue of this 
uh, infestation of evil that has worked its way into the human genome is going to cause untold suffering for hundreds of trillions for thousands of years if you don't wipe them all out. And that's exactly what occurred. And so now here we are, 2023, and we are witnessing the systematic assault of the deep state military intelligence community that is funded through the big oil, the big energy, the control of these uh, very important components of society, because without that oil, without that crude, without the raw resources that have been under this control for so long and now and now are no longer, um, everything dies, the system falls apart. So I think what we have here is symbolic. We have the destruction, excuse me, of the system happening in the very um, in the very lands, in the very area of the world that this entire occult religion and this entire sick control of humanity began in. And we have China, I think, which will be involved, and, and the Asiatic nations as well, which will be involved very soon to help refinance the world with an, a number of uh, um, trillions of dollars worth of precious metals that have been stolen from that nation in the last five mm -hmm. to 700 years. So yeah. this is a this is a generational writing of wrongs that's occurring, and it actually is a good thing for those of us in the West, despite the unpleasantry that, that it causes at the at the local community level, right? The pain at the pump, the pain at the grocery store, the pain here, the pain there. It's all pain. Mm. Uh, it's all pain because we've been trapped inside of a chain of pain. They built a household of pain around us and then exported that pain to the rest of the world. And so now we're bringing that out of the rest of the world, and when we're, it's going to come home to rest here, it does get painful as that process um, you know, happens and there is a, there's an actual crumbling right of the, of the structure around us. But I think all of us out there with our awareness of what that structure is, what it, what it represents and what it is capable of doing to humanity, I would rather have the pain knowing that the structure is coming down than mm -hmm. suffer endlessly wondering if we were ever going to get out of this. Mm -hmm. uh, we have categorical evidence to show that this will cripple forevermore the U.S. dollar. The events that are occurring in the Middle East will destroy the Federal Reserve oil system. Uh, you'll see Aramco out of business very soon, I think, or, or transformed in some fashion. Uh, the six of the nine largest oil producing nations in the world are joining the BRICS nations come January 1, which means that they will no longer use the, the United States dollar whatsoever. Uh, the BRICS nations have an internal agreement with one another that they'll conduct trade and resource exchange with one another's currencies at a fair one-to-one -one value and that they will not entertain trade with nations that do not have that sort of trackable measure. In other words, we will not entertain trade with someone who can manipulate us. And why would you? You wouldn't get into a romantic relationship with someone that you knew was going to manipulate you. That's just basic human decency, right? It's, it's, sort, of, uh, it's sort of an implicit social compact. If, you're going, if we're going to do uh, an activity together, if we're going to be a part of something with one another, a basis of trust is needed. And so as we go through this process, the crippling of that system will produce, or actually I think will force a new design coming to that system, which will end up employed in the Western world in North America and may very well be along the same lines playbook wise as what we've seen with the BRICS nations over the last 18 months. Mm, absolutely. And um well, one of my uh, points I wanted to actually cover was the sharp rise in the amount of BRICS nations that are coming on board. Uh, and people are seeing that as very much in the mainstream. It's kind of being shared. Obviously, the majority of mainstreams don't really talk about BRICS. They don't like to because well, for obvious reasons. But um, with the actual BRICS alliance itself, do you see that as more of a... Um, a 3D construct of, of sorts to basically for the for the human eye in that level of consciousness to understand that there's a, an opposition to what we've always known in terms of like the petrodollar in terms of regular fiat currency. Um, a lot of people are suggesting that BRICS itself 
is more of a, a forefront actually for the uh, you know the role in of the QFS. Do you see a correlation between the two? Um, and if so, how do you see it planning out, or do you see it as two separate, completely separate entities? I don't think that they can be separate. And the reason why is because as we look at what's occurring in the world, you now have 70% of the world's population and almost 80% of the world's GDP that has applied for or been accepted into already the BRICS block of trading. Hmm. Um, this is a this is a geopolitical animal that is not going to you know act nebulously in the background very much longer. And the Federal Reserve, North American and Western Europe banks, you know, bank model system will not be able to prop up the public narrative and the public consciousness for much longer either. Hmm. Um, now, I do believe BRICS to be a stepping stone. Quite frankly, we needed to disconnect the world from the Federal Reserve system and the serpent dollar. But we also needed to provide everyone at the table with meaningful um, securities, meaningful trust guarantees, and meaningful actions to show that this was a serious process, that President Trump's world tour, that Mohammed bin Salman's world tour in 2017, uh, that they were not simply showboating events, right? This had to be a kinetic thing where we had to prove trust uh, because we've lived in a world that has been so terrorized by these entities that we've talked about uh, across all nation state boundary lines that different creeds and cultures have been have found it extremely difficult to trust one another. Um, and rightfully so, I think, in many regards. So the BRICS, I think, acts as a, a categorical, physical, real world olive branch that shows, no, we are going to outline, we're going to war game how this process needs to look at the macro scale. And while we're doing that, we're going to develop and iron out beta testing for quantum infrastructure and digital exchange. We're going to develop tokenized versions of our asset-backed currencies, and then we're going to trial those out and see how that works. You know, this is a, a massive testing ground, I think, for the economic shift that is, is rapidly overtaking the world. We know at one point in time here in the future, and it's not going to be, I think, very long, that we will arrive at a worldwide digital instantaneous exchange that is quantum secured and quantum powered. Mm. Um, the quantum is the way of the future, the understanding of how it affects energy, finance, the understanding of how it affects health, um, the understanding that we are quantum beings, that our yes. spiritual auritic field is quantum at the end of the day, right? Um, this is, this is a, an awareness and awakening in the world that is not going away. But I think BRICS is the scalable model to introduce all of these concepts to the entire world at large in a way that proves trust, provides physical results, um, provides some sort of basis in reality, but also allows for working out the kinks, testing things, making sure that this is done correctly, that that is done correctly. Maybe we need to tweak infrastructure over here, or maybe other things in our nations need to be brought up to bear so that they can keep up with the demand of increased trade, which is going to come as a result of what's happening here. Mm. When we remove the serpentine dollar from the entire world system, you will see, I think, an explosion in international commerce as the trust factor, excuse me, ends up being so much higher uh, with a fair uh, basis for trade and a fair valuation that you can literally take to the bank within one's nations. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be a, a fascinating time. I think BRICS is serving, a, you know, a, a multi-angular purpose. I think there are dimensions to the BRICS block for its existence that we don't even fully appreciate yet. Mm. Um, and I do think it is going to give way to some sort of greater cooperation or some sort of larger um, um, uh, conglomerate, if you will, around the world that seeks to do business as, the, as they are doing it right now. Yes, absolutely. And uh, what, what, a lot of the talk, obviously, for the last year or so, or and I think has been very much part of this grand awakening on a collective level, is the constant, um, I, guess, I guess you can call it fear propaganda of the governments, the, you know, the same governments trying to introduce uh, 
a CBDC, a central bank digital currency. Um, obviously, from from my re- from my research, and, and I know you've talked about this yourself a lot. Like, I think that was potentially always the plan. But in terms of them being have, able to have access to be able to achieve that, is long gone. Um, I think that potentially we maybe see the threat of them introducing that again to further awaken humanity. But the reality is, it's always going to be about the bricks. Do you see that as something you know that we'll see first? Um, as to further edge people towards that awakening because of the fear. I do think that they will attempt it in the Western world before this process is over because mm. they're shameless and because this is existential for them in a way that it's never yeah. been before. We have taken the extinction agenda that they directed at us with the launch of COVID-19 and more than a hundred years worth of development and sick research. And we have turned it directly back at them. Um, this is a this is a moment, I think, in time where when they lose this battle and they know this, when they lose it, there will not be another chance. There will not be the ability as we transform the world to uh, manipulate things to this level with currency being a fair value of exchange everywhere on a standard basis for all nations. The ability to control us the way that they have been able to for several thousand years, which primarily existed through their uh, aggregation and consolidation of resources and control of all the major commerce and information channels, right? Same playbook. Um, That entire process will not be able to exist here into the future. So it's not only existential for them in the sense that they all die here at the end of this or that they all go away to jail and, and serve their time, whatever that happens to be. But the ability to recapture the control of the earth is forever gone. Mm. Um, So I do think that the CBDC will be a last ditch effort. And that's why I think we've been graced and blessed by God with such an awakening time period. Right. Mm. One of the reasons I think it had to be done this way is because enough people needed enough time to understand what was going on here because of the eventual death pushes that were going to be, um, you know, sort of thrown at us from the from the dying beast as it goes down the hill. Right. Um, CBDC is one of those Hail Mary passes type situations, and I think it comes, but I think it is probably going to get rejected in such a profound way that commerce will simply cease, Um, and the government cannot handle a cessation of economic commerce really for more than just, I think, a few days. Um, Mm. You're you're looking at the the paralysis of all of the levers of the bureaucracy, all of the levers of, of the different representative forms and institutions of government, people being off work. Um, I mean, you, you would end up in a situation where I think we could force them to capitulate to our um, plan for a, a properly balanced currency. And I think it's incumbent upon us as a military civilian alliance here, as Q reminds us, to do exactly that. Um, it is a transformative time, right? This is literally us taking power back. This is literally us forcing them up against the wall for once. It's never happened that way before. We have them up against it. They are truly on the ropes um, and they know it and they're very afraid of that. And that's one of the reasons we've seen desperation moves going all of the way back to early spring with you know the the launch of the different campaigns against President Trump, the launch of the campaigns against Imran Khan, the campaigns against Jair Bolsonaro, um, the gentleman in Argentina who is winning a lot of the electorate down there as far as uh, viewpoint and support and is starting to get ire from the different agents of bureaucracy in that area. Um, you're going to see this desperation, I think, turn into full-blown public panic before it's all over. And that's really the the glorifying moment for the awakened patriots out there, because that full-blown panic will be, I think, enough to rattle the sleepers out there that are still along in our families and friends in our social circles uh, right out of bed and very awake. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I very much concur on that. And um, one of the other things that is really starting to awaken people is, and we did touch on it on our podcast with Derek and Brad, 
is uh, the massive, like, you cannot hide it, influx of uh, migrants that are being ferried into every country. Um, the the tactical situation on that is very different in each country. Obviously, you've got like the border crisis in the United States, whereas like here in the UK, they're coming over in dinghies and NGO boats and stuff, but they're all being housed in hotels. They're all, they're all fighting age males. Um, but it seems that in each country, they seem to be um, congregating from different nations. So obviously in the United States, you've got like, the make, a very much a large makeup of like Africans and South Americans and uh, Asians. And here in the UK, the majority of the migrants coming over from what we've seen is actually from Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia uh, and countries like that. So from looking in from that angle, just from UK alone, uh, and this isn't me quoting saying this is what I think is going to happen, but those particular countries of interest were the ones that Donald Trump visited, obviously on his tour and made deep agreements with, long-term agreements with. Um, so from if I was looking from a positive point of view of having them here, and there was going to be takedowns in terms of mass arrests of politicians, medical professionals, counsellors, people of interest, then with a depleted military that we have here in UK, because it has depleted significantly over the last decade, could these people be used to back up the armed forces, the police in carrying out these operations? Or is it very much a black cut operation and they're just buying their time, waiting for a moment to strike because they don't care? Um, and is that what potentially is what America's all about? I've had lots of conversations about this. Um, I'd be interested to hear your views on where you see this uh, play potentially playing out. Do you see it as a black hat operation or do you see it as a mixture of both? You know, it's amazing. Every time that I have a good conversation with individuals out there about the current events, we inevitably end up talking about the leading edge research that I'm doing for my files and that I think a lot of us out there are focused on. And this is an issue that actually is going to be on the next audio file. Hmm. Um the, the migrant movement and the, the mass migration that has occurred uh, specifically in the world for the last three years, certainly, but going all of the way back for 40 to 50 plus years, especially here in the United States with the near constant diatribe about the porous uh, southern border and the different uh, environmental and feel good groups on all sides, not just the left, but the right as well, who um, who essentially don't think that a border is necessary. Um, but I'd like to offer, you know, a thought about the entire movement of assets around the world. I think we can conclude a number of things. Um, one, there are two primary groups that are in movement around the world. You have actual refugees who are moving out of areas as we the people. They've been displaced by the events of the world, the destabilization, the, the rise of the cartels in different arenas. And they actually do wish to seek a better life somewhere else. We can acknowledge that that group exists. They're not nearly as numerous as the mainstream media would like us to believe, but they exist. Um, the other side of that coin, I think, are black hat asset movements around the world to include all sorts of different, you know, militarized, and non-militarized groups. You've got um, mules for the child trafficking uh, and human trafficking organizations that work in the cartels, not only in the Americas, but also in uh, the Africas, right? You've got uh, the individuals that are part of some sort of an espionage operation, and that could include the People's Liberation Army, that could include, uh, you know, any one of potentially 30 to 40 different uh, sub-terrorist groups that have been financed and created once again by that military intelligence community over the last half century. 
Um, and so these this latter group represents, I think, a threat, right? A, a, a threat not only to the security of our nations as they come here, but if if we send them home, they're going to be a threat there as well. Mm. And so I think the the game board, as we look at it, if I can use the term, and I hate using that term, but it's the best way to encapsulate the metaphor for people visually. Um, if we allow this movement of these assets from these from these different um, localities and these different areas where they have already had warlord control for a very long time, and we move them into more first world nations that have highly advanced militaries, for example, uh, the U.S. National Guard being a great example of this, right, fighting with the modern warfare equipment of the U.S. Army. It's not as advanced as we would like to think that it is, but it is much more advanced than most of the weaponry that you would have. Um, you know, being used by individuals like Hezbollah mm. or the cartel or things of that nature, right? Laser weapons and, and, and things of that such. So let's look at this and appreciate this from a strategic point of view. If the goal is world peace, then we have to remove all of the militarized assets around the world that could destabilize that peace and cause cause one of us or a number of us to end up shooting at one another again mm. so in order to do that we have to ensure that those militarized groups typically they're non-nation states right you're talking about the cartels primarily um those those groups and, and the terrorist groups i don't i don't i don't distinguish between those two the cartels and the and terrorism are financed by the same entities right and equipped largely by the same entities so when we look at these non-governmental groups that are very capable, they're militarized fighting forces, we have to bring them around the earth into kinetic contact with a force that can actually beat them and destroy them. And in their home countries, in a lot of cases, that is not possible. They have control of the government in those countries and the countries that they don't have control of the government. They have a larger army than that country's own government. So as we look at what's occurring here, if we're going to destroy the terrorism, if we're going to destroy the capability of cartels to operate around the world, we have to put them against an opponent who can actually take them out. And so I believe that's a major portion of why we've seen the mass migration from the Africas, the South Americas, the Central Americas, the Central Eurasians, the Middle East uh, into these uh, Western world nations where there are very capable domestic fighting forces, there are very capable protection forces. Uh, most of the Western world countries have some form of a national guard. Um, it's what we call it here in the United States is our domestic preservation force. Um, and so these these militaries are far more advanced than the military, say, of Bolivia or Argentina or Syria, right, who are primarily propped up by aid and funding and advice from the very militaries that we just described. Mm. So if we're wishing to if we're wishing to accomplish a number of goals to awaken the population to the importance of territorial integrity. In other words, borders are not racist, they're actually um, humanitarian and they and they work very well if they're managed properly. And we're also seeking to destroy the militarized non-governmental organizations around the world that pose such a dangerous threat to destabilizing the coming peace. Then we have to acknowledge that a strategic move of those assets has to occur. And the best part is they're really that stupid that they go right along with the move. Um, they have moved themselves into the teeth of the U.S. National Guard here in the United States, right? Every mm. one of these idiots has a cell phone. Yeah. The NSA can track exactly where they're at. We can put a warhead on top of them if we have to in 10 minutes. Mm. Uh, the same is true in a lot of the Western European nations who have advanced NATO-capable militaries. Their surveillance capabilities are next level. In other words, you can't hide, right? And that's been a contention from the 
from the we the people point of view for a long time it's everywhere we go there's there's cameras on traffic lights and in and in outside bathrooms and you know in the craziest places and so there's nowhere left to hide and you're outmatched and outgunned the option i think becomes do we surrender or do we just um end up you know allowing ourselves to be destroyed and Q talks about a coming event uh, in the future, some point along this journey in Q Drop 34, where there's going to be activation of the U.S. military domestically. There's going to be an emergency siren or an emergency alert of some kind that will inform the public that it is a national emergency of a military nature. Um, and that could very well be the isolation, targeting, and destruction of all of these infiltration assets that have come in. Mm. Now they're in our court. Now they're now they're in a in a chess game that they cannot win. And so moving from that phase into the rebuilding phase, right, for the rest of the world, I think we see a number of those foreign um, militarized organizations, uh, these military aged men that are working on behalf of some non-governmental group that paid them a, a ton of money and gave them an AK-47. I think we see a lot of these individuals decide that their personal survival is far more important than whoever paid them. And they'll just lay down their arms and agree to go back home. But again, we have to position that and, and handle that in a very delicate way, because if we launch that sort of operation too soon, then you've got the risk that some of these cartel assets or some of these non-governmental assets are going to go hide in some cave somewhere with you know $10 million and a bunch of weapons. And then you're going to have the same problem prop up in 15 or 20 years. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, because of the layout of the lands, et cetera, you've got the southern border crisis, which we're seeing right now, and these people flooding across into the United States, whereas here in the UK, obviously, we're a very small island, um, you know, with like almost, well, I think, 70 million people on it already. Um, so I think from a tactile point of view, it's, things will be very different. But if to say, based on what you were saying there, if that was to happen here, um, it would make sense. And basically, you draw in potentially the enemy and its assets into a landlocked island you know so it's, it's a pretty it's a very good tactic you know if you're looking at the sort of same sort of proposition for the the other countries you know, and we know from listening to colonel bosi uh, and his reports as well about how there's been a number of people on both sides the west and east and coast of australia but at the same time there's been large scale military operations using u.s marines who seem to have been in the country for much longer than six months um and uh, they don't always come with uh, firing blanks. And uh, I, I guess and we have the same in Ireland and a number of countries in Europe as well. So if we were to look at it from that point of view, it does make very much sense to me. Um, it is a very, very good plan and tactic to take out these uh, militias, so to speak, um, that prop up, obviously, these uh, these deep state assets and do it all kind of systematically. Um, but outside it being coordinated worldwide, and it was to say kick off in the United States first, invoking a, an emergency broadcast system, which then would bring the National Guard into it. Because based on the research I've seen, and I know Derek Johnson's done a lot of it, and as well as yourself, the, the National Guard are pretty much spread out across the whole of the United States, almost preempting this um, as part of the a part of the the, uh, the story. Um, I, I personally think that we see everything happening in the United States first in terms of that side of things. Uh, and it, all the talk about EBSs and stuff like that has always come from the United States and a handful of people in the UK have looked in on that. Um, do you see that very much being the case that it all starts in that fashion in the United States? And then if it is successful, and let's just say it involves the rolling of Nazara, um, that then trickles down to other countries from there? Or do you see it being a sort of systematic things that happens in 
multiple countries at once? Um, I think it's going to be a cascade, but I think the cascade will happen by the hour, not by the day. Mm. Um, as we look at what is gearing up to occur here in the United States, I mean, it is increasingly looking like we're going to have a destabilization of our civil levers of power, which Chris Miller stated blatantly on a podcast earlier this year that that was a re- that was a requirement constitutionally before the U.S. military could be involved in any sort of domestic law enforcement or preservation. The civilian ability to control the situation had to completely break down in order for that to occur. I think we're seeing that process happening now. I think we we move rapidly into that in early 2024, quite frankly. And I think it's possible that we see the attempt by the Biden-Harris administration or some uh, element of that administration to call the UN and essentially say that we're a destabilized society and we need peacekeepers. Um, And so that would represent, right, a militarized invasion of the United States publicly for everyone to see. I don't think you would have any issue getting every single American on board um, with seeing the U.S. military protect the republic in that sort of a situation, especially when you add in the type of infiltration, destabilization that is possible, right? You've got the People's Liberation Army here en masse. Everyone's you know worried that they've been coming in for the last couple of years, but nobody talks about the fact that they've been coming in since the early 80s. Mm. Um, and they have a tremendous amount of control over finance and, and the influence of finance here in the United States. And so if we end up in a warfare situation with the Pacific theater, then that's another angle on this, right? Um, which is very possible. So, but I think that we see a situation happen where the military is forced to act um, in order to preserve the civilian government, quite frankly, and, and our way of life and the safety of the Republic. And because of the nature of the coordination between militaries all across the world over the last four to six years, I think we see the intelligence sharing happen instantly um, and the the referencing for um, what sort of threats and, and assets may be present across nation state boundaries. And I think we see a coordinated coalition um, decide that it's not worth shooting against one another. We should really be shooting at the U.N. Um, and all of the U.N. assets right, that have been put into our communities, put into our, our nations all over the world. Right. Um, that's already occurring, actually, in soft core form, if you if you want to call it that, in, with the African nations who are essentially making very plain demands that NATO militaries need to leave their boundaries. Um, and so I think that 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 issue gets broached again by the, the regular we the people out there before this is all over. Um, mm. You know, I think that it is worth remembering that in this process, we have to uh, set up a generational imprint if you will we have to set up a a generational message to human you know humanity and all of mankind that the control of our governments control of our territory management of our little plot of land that we've been graced and blessed with by the almighty is not a task to be taken lightly it is it does require some amount of importance and attention right we've allowed ourselves to get distracted by some creature comforts and by the different routines that have been built into our societies we love to be happy we love to be fun you know we don't really like talking about things that are unpleasant if we don't have to um but you know i think some of those conversations are going to need to be had as we move forward um i still have a number of individuals i love dearly who are asleep and think biden is a great guy um, you know, so even at this point, right? So the 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 way that we get those individuals awake, because again, they would be good patriots if they weren't gaslit all of the way to the stars. Mm. Um, if if they had the correct information, they would be very much aligned with us in this process, and they could bring their vigor and their vitality to bear on the overall mission, the same as we are now. 
And so how do we get those types of personalities awake? Well, we have to really shatter the mold of what is acceptable for the government to do to them, right? The financial situation, um, this this border uh, invasion that the right side here in the United States has been just absolutely pounding for the last um, 24 to 36 months. But a lot of the left are only now coming around after some of their cities have been terrorized to understanding that this is actually a very bad thing. And it, it is a it is a nationwide problem. It's not just a localized issue if we have it occurring um, and that and a number of other things. Right. So we're seeing this process playing out. Um, but the reason I say that it's not just a show, that it's not just a movie, is because this process is playing out so that we can kinetically win battles on the battlefield. Uh, they have to show us their weaponry. They have to drag out uh, their biological terrorism, right? They have to showcase where they're going underground to hide. We've been on a special operation for eight plus years now at this point with the underground civilization. Uh, and it is that big that we have been up against. Um, but now we're starting to to see the the bringing of that underground war to the surface level and all of the infrastructure that ties directly to the surface as part of that also. So this is not just a show. This is simply a a operation, a, a mission, a multi-angular mission being carried out around the world to accomplish a number of real-world physical objectives. But unfortunately, we have to allow some of these other issues to occur because they are just not priority at the time. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what what are the points that on our podcast that we did with Derek and Brad that Derek brought up was uh, the possibility because Trump's alluded to it so many times about helping the homeless and asking veterans to remember their oath is the possibility of all these FEMA camps that were made around the United States, which a lot of people from a from a fear side of things were pushing out that that's where anyone who didn't have the shots would go, um, being used to actually house and treat the homeless, people that are so, I guess, have had their complete lives turned upside down by the influx of fentanyl and that's, that's come across the border. And you only have to look at some of these, uh, the footage of some of the cities in the United States to see how awful it is. Um, and a number of these people are veterans themselves. And, you know, to see the way they've been treated and uh, the huge rise in homelessness across all major cities in the United States. Um, do you see that as a possibility? Because I hadn't actually put my my mind to that or thought towards that before. But when Terry explained it on that last podcast, it seems quite a, a possibility and a very positive one. You know, quite frankly, I think there's a great possibility that in the cleanup operation, when we talk about carrying out the largest deportation operation in American history, that we mm -hmm. also will need to bring to bear former military individuals, representative of law enforcement to help us with that mission, because we just don't have enough law enforcement. Mm. Um, you know, in, in one of Trump's executive orders where he activated the National Guard, I think it was a million members um, in 24 months of service, there's a there's a, a paragraph in that order that talks about the calling back to service of individuals that were honorably discharged, that left in good graces, and that had uh, experience, uh, you know, essentially that was relevant to the mission at hand. Um, I think there's a very good possibility that along in this process, as we seek to throw off um, what amounts to a Manchurian government and a worldwide globalist invasion into our societies, uh, specifically here in the United States, that we see the Department of Defense request that all of the all of the sheriffs around the country deputize those individuals in their communities um, you know, who have former military experience and can prove that they were honorably discharged and that they, you know, are aware of, you know, the, the things of like prisoner guarding and MP and things of that nature. 
Um, that's a very big possibility. I think that there, there's a request made to the law enforcement agencies to take that step. That could also come from the U.S. Marshals Service. It doesn't have to come from the Pentagon and the DOD. Um, the U.S. Marshals are sort of inter, inter, interlocked with the National Guard in a domestic protection operation. So you could have the U.S. Marshals acting as the federal representative uh, lighthouse, right, asking uh, state-based sheriff operations to deputize their local uh, veterans, many of whom you know might be homeless or might be struggling because that's been one of the things that we have, um, quite frankly, failed abysmally on here in the United States of America. It's grotesque and it's disgusting. Um, and I'm very hopeful that in this process, as we go through this as a realization of the nation, uh, we're going to realize that not only is, is veteran homelessness wrong, but all the, the need for homelessness to be a thing is also wrong and is built into the system by design. And these individuals who sacrificed so much should certainly not be the ones that are faced with these sorts of, um, of situations. So I think there's also a restoration of dignity aspect that comes with these sorts of things. Again, this is just speculation, but I see this as realistic possibilities when we look at the scale of what's occurring. This is an unprecedented moment in time. The United States has never been invaded by a foreign power, not in the way that we're dealing with now. The War of 1812 was essentially the last time that any true foreign power landmass grab was made possible here in, in this in this continent and in our security in the Western Hemisphere. And we're learning, I think, a lesson as a people that borders and, and, and interconnectedness, excuse me, if not managed correctly and responsibly, can result in what amounts to a, a silent invasion where you wake up one day and your society is threatened in a way that it has never been threatened before. And I think Biden is sort of playing that um, that whole lens, if you will, and doing so in such a loud fashion that even the left are beginning to wake up and realize this is a bad idea. Uh, the Pandemic Preparedness and Response Treaty, for example, it cedes total governmental authority to the World Health Organization in a public health emergency. The UN just recently voted to grant itself unilateral emergency powers to establish a, in a, a public health emergency in different nation states through the WHO and have full authority to determine when and if that emergency ever ends. Um, the the um, possibility of a UN peacekeeping force, right, as, a, as a, a real militarized invader to the United States or to different nations in Western Europe, um, these are real possibilities that a lot of our lovely normies and sleepers, God help them, they just don't seem willing to entertain it. And we have to realize as a people, as a civilization, as humanity moving forward, we have to be on the same page as it pertains to a lot of these very basic principles of sovereignty. Because moving through the justice phase and into the new world phase, sovereignty will be the word on everyone's lips. The ability to control and direct your body, your nation, your community, the ability to control and direct your health care, your doctor works for you, your accountant works for you, your um, uh, advisors work for you, right? The healthcare system works for you. Everything exists for we the people and is at the control and direction of we the people. And it's high time that we remember that as a civilization so that we can build something truly special moving forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I'm it, although there's a lot of chaos happening in the minute, a lot of confusion, a lot of angst, um, having the privilege to travel around the country and like embed myself in a lot of these communities, I'm already seeing, you know, the fruits of uh, the grassroots led communities really coming to the surface because it is that everything is the yin to the yang, isn't it? And that we've experienced so much yang, you know, there's everyone just wants to step towards the yin and and create stuff. And I think that's another big part of this grand awakening is it's brought out the creativity in people and groups 
And, you know, I'm seeing it on such a great scale here in UK. There's people that are coming forward with so many good ideas. Um, you know, we're, we're talking with a number of people at the moment about, you know, creating a blueprint for healing centers and what that will actually look like. Um, and at the very least, you know, like people are going to have a blueprint to have something to get started with that's, you know, got all the possibilities of coming to fruition and and allowing people to kind of fulfill their roles. You know, there's so many people scratching the surface at the minute, like, I know I need to do something, but I'm not sure quite what it is. And I'm probably speaking on behalf of millions of people worldwide now that are at that point of this awakening process because we've all experienced like pure chaos and um, evil and a lot of negativity over the last like three years and beyond um a lot of injuries a lot of deaths you know and a lot of things become coming to fruition for people as part of this awakening that things haven't been what they thought and people dealing with that in their own ways uh in you know individually and as families uh, and that's why it's more important than ever that we need to all come together unified like, amongst all this division that's being waged upon us um because there, there's nothing i can, can't see anything but a brighter new earth coming towards us and it's all part of this i guess this this movie that we're in um however like each scene is different and needs to be adapted uh, and overcome um and I, I guess moving forward from a communal level everything's being driven towards people really coming together now um and seeing a lot of this evil for what it is and I think a lot of people are now, what, as well as obviously wanting a brighter future, they're also wanting retribution uh, and people to be made accountable for, I guess, in essence, a lot of people being not so much brainwashed, but like put into a situation where we just continuously give our autonomy away to everything all the time, whether it be the doctor, the teacher. And as you said before, you know, these people work for us, but we've always, been, I guess, a lot of people have been brought up and we've been nudged into society through social engineering to give everything away. Well, we're taking that back now on a mass scale and people are really realizing that, but people do want retribution. Um, and there's been lots of talk about tribunals and things like that. It, do you see tribunals as something that is going to happen in the in the very near future uh, now? Um, I appreciate there's a lot of people that follow both our channels know full well that Biden that we see on the, you know, the television and on media isn't the original Biden. He's one of a number of actors playing out a role. Um, do you see the the retribution of these particular individuals becoming more public uh, in the public eye in the coming months? I do, because I think a great deal of them have already occurred or a number of different yes. levels of tribunals have occurred to establish next level justice and quite frankly for reconnaissance and intelligence gathering because evidence entered into a military tribunal can be shared with a military alliance during an active operation. Um, so, you know, looking at this process, the tribunals I think will have to happen, but we have to remember um, as a civilization that these must be dispassionate. Um, this is not about revenge for the people that I've lost, although that's going to be a great bonus. Um, this is not about the vengeance for what has been done to all of us generationally in the past because, or excuse me, although that is a great bonus, um, but it has to be dispassionate because when we move into the, a new um, world, when we move into a new level here of human existence, as far as control and self-direction of our own societies, we have to be cautious that we don't create an a society that is entirely based on emoting, which is exactly what we've got going on in the world right now. Why was MKUltra so successful? 
because the human being cares so much. And the human being is an emotional creature that is able to be influenced by severe traumatic or emotional events, good, bad, in between, it doesn't really matter. Um, if it's a deep emotional imprint that begins to drive and compel behavior, then you have a mind control mechanism in place already. Hmm. So I think the tribunal justice system or the tribunal justice administration, excuse me, as we go forward, needs to be one that acknowledges this level of evil and this type of practice in the world, this viewpoint of humanity as an infestation, as some sort of cancer that needs to be squashed and eradicated from the earth, is antithetical to everything that is good and holy and, and righteous about this world. And it cannot be allowed to be here. Um, it is, it's not conducive to the world's betterment. It, as a matter of fact, it causes nothing but pain and suffering. Um, there is no true good that comes out of this lens of this understanding of the world. And some of these sociopathic sycophants will go all of the way to the rope, uh, espousing their just vitriolic hatred for everything that is humanity. Um, they're just that warped and they're that, um, you know, zealot, uh, zealous, I guess, is the word at the end of the day. Um, so as we move through that process, it's important to acknowledge in the here and now that a, a great deal of that has already occurred. But the ones we really want to see going through that sort of justice are the ring leaders, right? We want Schwab. Um, everyone wants George Soros on trial. Um, as a matter of fact, there's a number of nations that are that are um, chasing that very outcome. Um, you know, you've got a number of different countries and, and um, populations out there that really want to see um, the election treason happening at their community levels uh, go all of the way to some sort of um, court, you know, or some sort of tribunal system where it's like, hey, Mr. or Mrs. County Clerk, um, you were aware, you were made aware that this was occurring, and yet you continue to, to participate in these activities and events. Uh, can you explain why that is, you know, and have that administered at the community level so that we have accountability and, and quite frankly, some peacefulness in our minds uh, about the, our ability to control and direct things about our own lives? Because that's going to be an issue, I think, once again, as we move forward through these coming months, right? It's all about speech, the right of our bodies, the right of our communities, the right of our governments, right? And them not listening to us. Uh, we still have the fraudulent Katie Hobbs administration in Arizona, for example, over 13 months later or right at 13 months later. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm rambling here, but I guess what I'm trying to highlight is that the process for tribunal justice has to be set up in a way that is digestible for everyone uh, you know, across the human spectrum, but that does not seek to elevate some level of wrongdoing over top of another, because then you're going to, you're going to, you know, sort of foment the same sort of, well, he said, she said back and forth divisive mentality that has no place here. Uh, this is about eliminating a point of view from the human experience that has sought from the very beginning to destroy us in every evil conceivable way, you know, that is imaginable. Mm. Um, and that just cannot be allowed to exist in God's world. And quite frankly, I think that's why the almighty told Joshua in the days of old that leave no one alive uh, because the suffering that it will create is unspeakable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I can only see us going into good places now. And it's something I'm very, um, keen to keep on top of on a daily basis and those who follow all my channels know that i only bring them positive things um solution based and um, because that's where we're going everything's solution based now we're getting our autonomy back you know people are becoming very much more intuitive creative as part of their own awakening they're understanding the bigger wide world they're placing it but also like the powers within them um which is something that's been foregone for you know hundreds and hundreds of years um and, I, and it's a beautiful thing to see and i and experienced it myself 
you know, I, I, I don't talk about myself that much in terms of like my own journey, but you know, it's like we always say it like what a time to be alive. And, uh, there's never ha- has been a greater time. And I look at people like my, my grandfather, who's, you know, my hero and has been such a big advocate for, you know, things over the, the last century and, and a big guide for me. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wish that in the in the human physical 3D, he could kind of witness some of this. But, you know, I know very much full well he's uh, he's witnessing it in his own way, uh, as are, I'm sure your family and other audiences, you know, families as well. Uh, and and on that note, um, is there a, a message that you want to leave the, the audience, you know, in a positive way that can give them, despite all the chaos and everything that's being like waged upon them at the moment, something that we can really, really look forward to? Well, I think we can look forward to um, is sort of encapsulating the world for mankind as we go beyond this period of justice and into a, a period of, of life where we are sort of ungoverned. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you think of a race car, right, you stick a governor on the engine, it can only go so fast. That's primarily for safety reasons. But if you take that off, especially with uh, certain types of engines, you can actually get up to incredible speeds, um, dangerous speeds. Right. But incredible speeds. And so the same principle, I think, applies here. We've had blinders on and have been bound and gagged as a civilization for hundreds of years. Our, our literal DNA has been assaulted and fractured in some regards. Right. Um, the fact that uh, God is able to sustain us in our current form and the fact that we're able to live, you know, 80, 90, 100 years even now, that's remarkable to me. What will the civilization as a whole look like when all of the restrictions are taken off, when the poisons are removed, when the toxins are gone, when natural food is the order of the day, when market vegetables and and meats and things of that nature that are taken directly from nature are available at prices that are extraordinarily affordable and easy for everyone to acquire or maybe even sold um, you know, as, as sort of overflow for, you know, an absurdly cheap amount, what occurs to the human being, what will occur to our societies, um, when our education systems are purged and cleaned and we have true knowledge being conveyed, right? Education is such an incredible thing that no one talks about. Yeah. The word educate comes from the Latin, which means, which is educo. Educo is to draw out from within, in other words, when you educate someone, you're drawing out a knowledge and awareness within them that they already have. Uh, we've inverted that entire model. So what will our society look like when you marry that new lens, the proper lens, with lens, which I think encourages life experience and wisdom with a fully realized human being that is not genetically suppressed? Um, I think it's I think it's an amazing time to be alive. I think this is the most incredible, hopeful moment for humanity that we've had in thousands of years. I wouldn't pick any other time except perhaps to walk with in Judea with Jesus. Um, I think I think I'm I find myself more grateful um, every day that I go through the process, despite the difficulties, because as it becomes more difficult on my end, I know that these idiots are also suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the I think that's a, a very um, stark reminder excuse me, of the type of world that we're living in right now. And the fact that when we move forward here, we can create something that is really the apple of God's eye. If we're, if we're careful about it and if we acknowledge our intuitive guidance and our spiritual nature. Absolutely. So uh, hit the nail on the head once again. And uh, I think a lot of people are seeing the, you know, both sides of the coin now, like there, there is a lot of good things to look forward to. There is the greatest time to be alive. But at the same time, we can see that like the idiots, as you referred to, are suffering um, and it's all coming to the surface for everybody to see. You know, and I, I just encourage people to do do that. Keep digging, keep looking, keep asking questions, 
you know, pay attention to the people who uh, are bringing all this valuable information and connecting the dots every single day. You know, people like SG, hundreds of people out there that are doing great work, that are doing God's work, that are here to guide and help people uh, and to help enlighten people to the, you know, the, the quantum capable beings that you actually are. And, uh, you know, I can't stress that enough that like, people are starting to learn, but don't quite understand yet just how powerful you are. And that's, this is the reason why we've been encapsulated in these multiple systems of control ever since we were born. Like we mentioned earlier, this goes back hundreds of years. So now is the time to realize that those false matrices are all collapsing. These systems are all collapsing. They have to all collapse on purpose for us to come through into the light where all the good stuff is where all our abilities are, you know, where our capabilities are to sustain, you know, a, a fantastic growing communities and with proper food, with proper water, away from all the toxins, the chemicals and everything that just totally encompass us on a daily basis, you know, away from all the continuous marketing from the minute you wake up in the morning to the minute you go to bed, you know, and all the the different attacks on our children from all the different angles you know, that's going to slowly start breaking down and people are seeing it for what it is because people are very much being pulled into this rat race and and seeing, you know, like the rise in prices of food, yet there's like 15 times more ingredients than what in them than what there was like 10 years ago. And that, that's what's becoming part of this amazing awakening, amazing awareness and that people are going through their own individual stages. And I think that's another thing that we need to remember is that this whole journey is completely different for every single person. You know, there's 8 billion universes happening at every one time. And uh, we need to respect that and understand it's, it's all to do with perspective as we're on this growth journey. Um, SG, as ever, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on the show again. I know all my audience love your work. Uh, where is the best place for them to find you? Well, I'm available now in three places authentically online, having recently added a third option. I've been available for a long time. <laughs> I've been available for a long time at on Truth Social at the handle Real SGAnon with a red check mark. I can be found on Rumble at rumble.com slash user slash Q News Patriot. Uh, other, other copies of me on Rumble, um, while flattering, are not authentically me. I'm not on Rumble by SGAnon, just for everyone out there. And I now have a third option, which is legitimate and official with a blue check mark, and it is Twitter form or X, formerly Twitter. Um, I can be found at the handle the Q News Patriot on Twitter. Brilliant. And I'll be sure to put all that in the show notes for everybody as well. Um, but SG, thanks as ever, brother, for coming on. Um, everything you always bring to the table is, you know, em emphatic. Uh, people love your work all over the world. Uh, and it's an absolute pleasure to, you know, have, um, have shared this time with you today, but also all the other interviews that we've done together as well. You know, I'm always learning from yourself uh, as, as as you're always learning. We're all on this learning journey together. Uh, so it's an absolute pleasure for you to come on the show today. The pleasure and honor is mine, my friend. Looking forward to speaking again soon. Fantastic. Guys and girls, if you enjoyed today's show, please share it far and wide. The information that we shared today, the way the messages were articulated and the way we break things down is exactly what people need. So please, uh, if you can do your bit by sharing this podcast to everyone that you know. We're all going through this unbelievable journey at the moment, no matter what stage you feel that you're at. So anything that anyone can get from the show today is only going to help them moving forward. Um, likewise, if you as an individual want to raise your level of consciousness to dramatic levels, I'm running my five-day course next week, 
6th to the 10th of November, every evening with me. And I'll help you take you from where you are now to the next level. All about meditation, all about breath work. I'll connect you to your soul family, teach you about remote viewing, teach you about astral travel, teach you about all the fun stuff. Uh, so please check out my website, mrajroberts.com, where you'll find all the information on all my courses, all my podcasts, and all my up-and-coming talks. But for me and SG Anon, look after yourself, keep your ears to the ground, keep your eyes on the prize, and I'll see you once again very soon on the AJ Roberts Show. Much love.